Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you and your leadership today and helping us in our worship of God. We're going to have our message for today right now. It's going to be in Nehemiah chapter 6. If you have a Bible with you and you want to look on there, I think the scriptures that we read will be on the screen as well. Everybody doing okay? Normally we have a what we call a fellowship break, and uh, we didn't have that today, did we, Rob? You know why? Because we don't have time for you to flit around the auditorium and do whatever it is you do today. No. But I will offer you this. Uh, once you stand up where you are, we're going to see how good an audience you are. Stand up where you are. Don't go anywhere, though. And then uh, just be warm or friendly or smile at the people around you. Can you do that? Can you do that? I'm watching you. I'm watching you. I'm checking you out. I'm evaluating you. I'm testing you. Now go ahead and be seated. Now go ahead and be seated. Wow, that was pretty good. I'm going to give all I'm going to give you a B plus today. There's always room for improvement. I'm going to give you a B plus. And, and let me know the reason that I did that is because I know every Sunday, whether you are here for the very first time or you've been here for more years than you can remember, and somebody like me gets up here, you're evaluating us. So I just want you to know I'm also evaluating you. So that just makes it fair, right? No, we're just having fun here. So we're having this series in Nehemiah, and I don't know if you know the story of Nehemiah, but it's a short story that we find in the, we call it the Old Testament. It's the older part of the Bible. It predates the coming of Jesus. So uh, Nehemiah is one of the great, great stories. Nehemiah was a dreamer, and I love that about Nehemiah, and as we've been reading the story of Nehemiah, I've encouraged us to dream as well. It's very exciting. I think God wants us to have dreams. And he wants to use us. He wants us to make a difference in the world. Nehemiah was that kind of guy. What happened in the situation there, the city of Jerusalem, the holy city of Jerusalem, the capital city, as it were, of the Jewish people and the Jewish nation, the walls of Jerusalem had been destroyed and burned down 140 years before this. And yet Nehemiah had a dream that he would lead the people to rebuild the walls and that's the, really the story of Nehemiah. And uh, we end up with really the end of part one today. I want to ask you a question, though. Many of us are uh, followers of Jesus. How do you help people to see God? How do you help people to find God? And if you're a follower of Jesus, it's only natural that you would want to help people to find God. I mean, For me, and maybe many of you, I see God every day. I walk outside and I see God. And He's obvious in the creation and the beauty and the majesty and the the power and the intricacy and the wisdom that's obviously there. I just can't imagine, obviously, God is real. I see the Bible and I read about Jesus and I, I look at the evidence for Jesus and I look at the evidence for the Bible and I look at it as a miracle that it's all come together and we have this truth that's 
come from so many over so many thousands of years and so many different authors, and it gives us this message about who God is and who Jesus is and what life's all about. And it's easy for me at this point in my life to see God and to know that He's there. But maybe as well, many of you were like me. There was a time in my life when I couldn't seem to find God. There was a time in my life when I didn't see God. How do you help people to see God, to find God? And I think there's a great story in Nehemiah that's going to help us with that. Let me just help you this way. I know a lot of you would know this, so maybe I'm just going to remind you. Most of the time, people find God through other people. Most of the time, people find God because of how you live. The person that you are. They get to know you. And they see something about you. And it helps them to see God. To find God in a way that they perhaps have never seen Him before. Maybe some of you have figured it out. Most people will not come to church just because you invite them. Have you figured that out yet? Now there's a certain group of people. And I think it's great to invite people to church. And... Christian background, and there are a lot of people that are not believers. Maybe they once were, but maybe they're not anymore. Or unless they've had a very positive experience with church, have most people had a really positive experience with church? Or unless they've been praying and they're looking for church, and it's great when that happens, most people are not going to come to church just because you invite them. What's going to have to happen? is they're going to need to see something in your life. They're going to need to see something in perhaps a group of us or this church that helps them to see God in a very different way. Does that make sense to you? It turns out that bumper stickers and crosses worn around the neck and even church attendance does not impress me. Does not impress most people. It's like the, this is way back now, Shania Twain. Shania Twain, one of, her, one of her songs, don't impress me much. Now, she wasn't talking about Jesus. But anyway, uh, so we want to learn about that today. I want to share, I was reminded of this this week. I was with a good friend of mine, Peter Garcia, some of you might know Peter Garcia. He's been in the ministry for many years, and uh, he leads part of the, the Lighthouse Ministry of the Los Angeles Church, and they meet out east of here in Covina and such. And I've heard Peter tell his story many times about his uh, coming to Christ himself many years ago. But he, every time I've heard him tell the story, he starts this way. His brother-in-law was a Christian. His, his sister became a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And she married his, uh, his brother-in-law, who was not only a Christian, but he was in the ministry. And this was, you know, for several years, Peter was not interested at all. And he went to a basketball game with his brother-in-law, Martin Bentley, if you know him. They went to a basketball game, and at halftime, all the, 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 the dance team came out from the University of South Florida, 
And uh, they were wearing, wearing very few clothes. You ever went to a basketball game and seen that? And the music was playing, and they were dancing and shaking. And, you know, Peter said, you know, he wasn't a Christian yet. He was a single guy, and he was just zoned in on the South Florida. I believe they were the Bullettes. The name of the, the, mock, the, the, the mascot was the Bulls, South Florida. But they were the Bullettes. The Bullettes were, were dancing at halftime. And Peter was, Peter was zoned in. And right next to him, Martin Bentley, he didn't make a big deal about it. He didn't make a big proclamation. He didn't say anything. Peter just noticed as he was staring in awe. He noticed that Martin Bentley was either looking down or looking away. He was averting his eyes. He never looked at the girls. And when Peter Garcia tells the story, he said, that was the day that I saw there was something different about the faith of Martin Bentley. Just because you're a Christian, you come to church. Most people, I'm going to clue you in if you haven't figured it already, most people assume that you're a hypocrite. Now, I know you, you say, oh, I wish you, I didn't really want to come to church to hear that today. I'm just trying to help you out. It turns out they're going to have to see something in you and how you live in order to be to see God or to find God. Let's look at Nehemiah. I already mentioned the fact that Nehemiah had this dream. The wall had been down for 140 years. Nehemiah is a great leader. He's an inspiring leader. He's a dreamer. We've learned so many lessons about dreaming. I've encouraged you to have dreams. There have been many challenges to date. You'll have to go back and read the first six chapters. But let's just say it wasn't easy. Dreams are never accomplished easily. There's always a price to pay for dreams. You have to be persistent. You have to face obstacles. You have to overcome. The Jewish people in Nehemiah were mocked, insulted, persecuted, threatened. You know, they tried everything they knew to keep them from building this wall. They had problems within the Jewish nation. You remember that? The poor people were being uh, taken advantage of by rich people within, the, within the, old, the, the Jewish people. And the nobles among the Jews weren't working hard on the, law, on the wall themselves. They weren't doing their part. And they're just persevering, persevering, persevering. The last lesson we did, we talked about the power of focus. You know, they tried to get Nehemiah to come down from the wall and meet them in the plains of Ono. And Nehemiah said, oh, no, to the plains of Ono. And... You know, he just wouldn't lose his focus. So then we get to the conclusion of the first part. This is so powerful. Nehemiah, verse 15 and 16, chapter 6. Verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence. Here it is right here. Because they realized this work had been done with the help of our God. Down for 142 years, 
Who could have imagined it? Who could have predicted it? In 52 days, all the people working together, the wall was rebuilt. Now here's the thing that I love about the story and what we need to see. Their dream and their pursuit of this godly dream did not bring glory to them, but it brought glory to God. Do you see that? The people who watched this happen, they say, we've known you people forever. For generations we've been here. We've been living among you. The surrounding people, and they had the Jews right where they wanted them. The Jews were uh, oppressed and abused and Many of them were being taken advantage of them, and that's why they didn't want the wall to get rebuilt, because they saw this as a, you know, the, the, the nation rising up and the nation regaining their self-esteem and the nation regaining their purpose and even their godliness and their character. And they said, we've been watching you people for a long time. This wall's been down since before we, any of us here today were born. When they saw that wall get rebuilt, they said, there's only one way this could have ever happened. And that's if God was behind this. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. It turns out that our dreams and the pursuit of dreams in our lives have the opportunity To point other people to God. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? I remember the uh, the first time I came to church in this fellowship. It was in Gainesville, Florida. The name of the church was the Crossroads Church. I was actually in college at the time. And so maybe you know some of the story. I was I had come I'd grown I had grown up going to church, and nobody invited me to church. That was interesting. I was just at a point in my life, and I was kind of a low point in my life, and I decided to show up at church. And I was kind of desperate. I wasn't really looking for anything in particular. I just was down in Gainesville, Florida, and I was new to the city. I didn't know anybody. And I thought, well, I'll just go. And and I went on a Wednesday night. Can you imagine that? I mean, most people, when they come to church the first time, they'll go on a Wednesday night. That church had midweek services like we have midweek services. So I showed up on a Wednesday night, unannounced. I had looked in the yellow pages. Somebody may not know what that is, but the yellow pages <laughs> is a very thick book. I should be talking to people down here. You don't know what this is. Oh, you know what it is? Do you guys use them for, like, firewood or kindling or something? You use it. You could put them on, you know, if you have small children, you can stack up these yellow pages, and they can sit on them, and then they can... You know, the, the smaller children can reach the, their food on the table. Why are you looking over here? Okay. Mom, I hope you're listening. I hope you're Okay. Anyway, I looked at the church in the yellow pages. Now, here's the thing. This shows you, I, I, I'm not sure if I hadn't seen what I did that night. To me, it was evidence, not just of what one person, but what of a group of people the impact a group of people could help, could have in helping and finding God. Because I wasn't going to church. I wasn't spiritual then. I had sort of given up on God. I'd given up on Jesus. I'd given up on the Christian faith. I walked in there on a Wednesday night, and I came about five minutes late. 
and because if I went to church in those days, I was going to be late. So I showed up five minutes late, and this auditorium at this church that said a thousand was packed with people on Wednesday night. I was used to the fact that about only about 50 or 60 percent of the people in my church growing up would go to church if it was a Wednesday night. People find all kinds of other things to do on Wednesday night. And so I thought, my immediate thought was, if they have this many people on Wednesday, they must have double services on Sunday. Because there's got to be. And it turned out, that's the first thing I learned, all the same people who were there on Sunday were also there on Wednesday. I go, wow. What kind of heart must they have for God? And then, so I got there, I was late, and... Uh, the other thing was they started singing, and everybody in the auditorium was singing with passion and heart at the top of their lungs. And I'm sure there were some very bad singers there, but there was enough good ones singing loud enough they drowned out all the bad ones. It sounded like an angelic choir. I mean, I felt like I'd been transported into heaven. I'd never been to a church, and I go, what? and these people were smiling. They were happy. You know, it seemed like nobody had forced them to be there on a Wednesday night. And it just went on and on. And then as soon as the service ended, the service ended, it was about an hour long, 7.30 to 8.30 on a Wednesday night. And so because we were sitting down, they said a prayer, and I assumed the service was over, so... I got up. I was sitting, let's just say, over here where Mary Kay was. So I immediately got up and started walking out. You know, because that's, that's what you do when church is over, right? And so you have to picture this. Maybe you heard me tell this story before. I had walked about two steps, and it seemed like nobody else had moved. And I quickly sat back down. I said, it must just be an intermission. The service must not really be over. But it turned out it was over. And you know what? Because people, they wanted to be there and they wanted to see their friends. People stayed there for a long time. I didn't want to stay for a long time, but so many people came, came up to greet me, I didn't have a choice. I don't know if that happened to you the first time you came to church. I had so many people. I mean, I'd get through talking to one. I'd go, okay, now I can leave. No, there was somebody else right behind them. But no matter how long I stayed, and I found this... People kept staying. That was the day. That was the night. That was the moment that I saw God for the first time in a new way. Because there were a group of people, and I didn't know what was going on there, but I had to find out. Why did these people love God this much? Why did they have this much commitment? Why did they have mis Why were they so happy? Why did they want to stay? After the service was over, it was the beginning of a great change. Our dreams and the pursuit of our dreams and living out our dreams have that potential that we can point other people to God. That's, so, that's, that's why it's so important to live a dream and to have a dream. You know, I've shared with you some of my dreams uh, one of my dreams is that all of my immediate family would be followers of Jesus. They would make it all the way to heaven. That's a great dream. 
One of my other newer dreams is that we would get to the point where half of our church would be under 30 years old. And uh, we'd like to do that without any of you that are over 30 leaving. Make that clear? We just want to increase the number of under 30s. We don't want to get there by all you people that are over 30 leaving. That's another dream that I have. Another dream that I've shared about is the dream that in the next five years, Mary Kay and I would like to be either partially or fully self-supporting. We don't want to retire. We don't want to go away. We don't want to move away. We don't want to disappear. We don't want to be up by a cabin in the woods. You know, uh, we just would like, it's just a dream that we have that the money they're using to pay us could be used to help somebody else. And let's get some younger ministry leaders. Let's let's build for the future. Uh, Mary Kay and I can help them along the way and be with them and help train them and Help them get to know you and deal with you because you're not that easy. I'm just being real. You know, this is a Lifeway Church. Lifeway Church is real life God's way. So I just got to be real. Some of you are difficult. But anyway, we, uh, you're not really. Well, sometimes. Uh, but anyway, it's just great. That's a, that's a dream that we have. But here's the thing. God, I want you to dream not just about things that are, I mean, it's great to dream about changing your character and letting God transform you and reaching your neighbors and your friends for Christ and all that. But I want you to dream other dreams as well. Sometimes I want you to dream about making a lot of money. I want you to dream about doing great in your job. I want you to dream about going far in your education. I want you to dream about making good grades. Your parents want you to dream about making good grades. Have a dream. There's nothing wrong with those kind of dreams because actually those kind of dreams in sometimes, maybe many times, are the most powerful dreams because when we're dreaming about making money and, and, and doing business and, and, and doing well and successful at work and all that, that's the part of our lives where we intersect with perhaps the lost world the most, Right? Those are maybe the greatest opportunities we have to make a difference. What do we have people that make a lot of money and do great in their business, and yet all the while they're not compromising their faith, they're sharing their faith, and everybody around them knows that Jesus is Lord of their life. They don't compromise, they share, and they use their success in business or education or school to help other people and to help other people see God. That's pretty special. That's pretty fantastic. You know, I shared my, uh, my five-year dream. I call it my five-year dream, the one of being partially or fully self-supporting the next five years. And I shared it recently with a young man who's in his 20s. Uh, some of us would describe him as a millennial. Uh, He would like to think of himself as a person. But anyway, um, I shared it with a young man in his 20s. And, you know, the reaction I got was unexpected. I was just sharing it just sort of naturally, and this is something that I want to do. And 
my wife Mary Kay and I want to do this. And he literally, and this is somebody who's not a believer, doesn't claim to be a Christian. His, literally his jaw dropped. And he said, he was stunned. He said, that is inspiring. Just a simple dream. I had no idea what I was doing. I, you know, I was sort of by accident. That might be the thing that most helps him to take his take faith, the Christian faith seriously. I don't know. You know, in Matthew 5, verse 14, we'll close there. Some of you may have already been reminded of something that Jesus said right at the very beginning of his ministry. Matthew 5, verse 14. And this is the title for the sermon today, The Light of the World is the name of the message. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Isn't that exactly what happened in the story of Nehemiah? The people and Nehemiah led the way. And they wouldn't compromise their faith. And they prayed and they were spiritual and they had convictions. And they tried to trap them and they tried to get them to do wrong. And every place they kept meeting the challenges. And they stood up for God and they stood up for their faith. At the end this wall got rebuilt and the people said, the surrounding peoples knew that it was God who was with them. And it was God who had worked. And it was God who had done it. That's what it says here. Jesus said that too. Live your life in such a way. Don't try to hide your faith. Don't try to cover it up. Let let your light shine. Let people know who you are. Let people know what you believe. Let people know what you're all about. I was on a trip this week and I flew into L.A. yesterday into Los Angeles. Maybe you do this if you fly in in the daytime. And you got a window seat where you can see. I always, as we fly in and we get to this massive, you know, group of buildings and roads and, right, structures, I try to figure out where I am. Do you ever do that? Which freeway am I going over? Is it the 5? Is it the 110? Is it the 405? Is it the 105? Is it the 101? Is it the 210? And I'm I'm constantly trying to figure it out, and I can't ever know. I you know I always get it wrong, you know, because we come in from different directions. But there's one thing that I know when I know where I'm at. I can orient myself if I can find the buildings, the tall buildings of downtown L.A. Then I know where I am. You can't miss them on a clear day. Still light outside. Jesus says, I want you to live your life in such a way that the people around you cannot miss it. They cannot fail to see that you are a man or a woman of faith. They can't miss it. They may ignore it. They may not ever 
come to faith themselves, but they can't miss it. Be a light into the world. That means you've got to spend time with people. You've got to hang out with people that are not yet believers, that are not faithful to God. You've got to let them see your life. You've got to be real about who you are. Sometimes we get intimidated because we think, well, if, if people hang out around me, they're not going to be very impressed. And maybe not, because there's no perfect people here. But let me tell you what, what I figured out. Is that when I hang around people, whether they're Christians or not people of faith yet, and I sin or I make a mistake, what I always try to do is I go back to them. And I apologize, and I own what I've done, and I own how I behaved. And I say, look, please forgive me. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that way. That's not the way Jesus wants me to live. In some ways, when you do that, you become a real person. And your faith becomes real. Some of you know I have an anger problem. Uh, Most of you have never seen it. You can praise God for that. Uh, My wife and my children and my best friends have seen it, and I'm not proud of it. And I do believe God has helped me with that through the years, but he's not done work with me. I had an episode recently. That's what we call them, episodes. I would be embarrassed for any of you to have seen that. It's not pretty, but it's real. And so you know what I do? You know what I did every time I've done that with my wife or my children or anybody else? As a rule, I go back and I say, please, please forgive me. That was wrong. That was as wrong. I have no excuses. I offer no excuses except, please forgive me. Help me. I'm going to make every effort I can to not live that way anymore. Turns out that perfection is not required. In some ways, the acknowledgement of your imperfection is even more powerful. What if when you went into work and you gossiped and you slandered or you cheated or you lied or you were lazy or you didn't do something and you owned it? You think people don't know? You think people don't notice? You know, we, we are all people watchers. Do you figure that out? If you're in the company of somebody else, as soon as they leave you, you immediately start talking about them. And you know what they do? They start talking about you because they're watching you. It's not everything about that is sinful. Not everything about that is wrong. That's just life. They want to see who you really are. One last thought. I hope the story of Nehemiah here will help you. Don't ever think it's too late for you. Sometimes we feel like, you know, Even I've been a Christian for years, and you know what? I started out good, but for a long time now, many years now, I've just been mediocre, lukewarm. Frankly, I've been worse than that. I've been sinful. I've been uncommitted. Jesus is no longer Lord of my life. I'm I'm just, I'm a mess. And you think, well, it's just too late for me. I've ruined any, any opportunity I have now. It's never too late to make a difference. What I learned, the people of Nehemiah's time 
the Jewish people, God's people, had been a mess for decades. And then in 52 days, 52 days, they made such a change in their focus, in their life, that all the surrounding peoples took notice. And they said, this could only happen with God. What is today, May 22nd? Kevin Bassler, what, uh, what day will it be 52 days from now? Well, that's not helpful, Kevin. I'm looking for some information here. July 14th. Okay, we'll go with that. What if, the, what if your whole life could be different by the middle of July? 52 days. Our lives and our pursuit of our dreams can make a difference in the world, and that's what Jesus wants to happen. What if we prayed through Matthew 5, 14 through 16, that last scripture I read about being the light? What if we just prayed that? I want to ask you to do that. Pray that every day this next week. Pray, God, help me. I'm talking to you if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, say, God, help me to see you. Help me to find you. But if you're a follower of Jesus, help me, God, to be that light of the world, that city on a hill. Help me to be the kind of example that people look at my life and they think, wow, there really is a God. This Christian faith is, is something to be considered. Let's let them look at our lives and praise our God. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for the story of Nehemiah. Thank you for the encouragement to dream. Thank you for the exciting understanding of what what can happen as we live out our dreams and we live godly lives for you what you can do and what a difference that can make in the world that we live in help us to take this seriously and to be able to make a difference with people around us in the name of jesus we pray amen okay the new cameras reception will be beginning in just a few moments